What's going on, guys? At Bryson NFL here with my pal at Alonzo NFL here with our preseason review of week two. And what's going on, my friend? I hate podcast apps. Yeah, I mean, I just I just want an app that works. Yeah, maybe it's our Wi-Fi. Like, maybe it's that because at this point with all the apps and with all the 17 takes we have to do on every single podcast, who the hell knows? Um, they can't all be shit, but god damn, man. You can't fucking hold us down. You can't do it. You really can't. <laughs> you, you, you really can't. It's like... Um, I don't even, I can't even find the analogy right now, man. I just, I, I can't. All right, man. Well, in this second preseason game, we really saw the front seven on this play. So let's talk about the front seven real quick. So happily, we've got some depth now. We've got Claiborne, Flowers, Rivers, Wise, Hightower, Kyle Van Noy, Marquise Flowers, and the emergence of Jawan Bentley. And, I don't know about you, but this makes me happy. Yeah, this is a very welcome development. I mean, when you consider it that at this time last year, the Pats were uh, cutting Coney Ely. They were trying Adam Butler on the edge. Harvey Longy was looking like he might be a week one starter. Derek Rivers had blown out his knee. Dietrich Wise had a concussion and he was a rookie. Uh, Hightower was on PUP. It was a, a total shit show when you compare it to this year. And, um, I mean, I, I dare say they're going to have some pretty difficult cuts to make on the front seven, uh, on the defensive line, at linebacker. It's just um, – it's really night and day when you look at the group that really started and finished last year uh, to the group that they have right now. It's, um, it's, it's a huge, huge improvement. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, they've got some players to run some 3-4. You can throw Hightower, Kyle Van Noy on the outside. We got Flowers, Claiborne, like I just said, Danny Shelton, who I didn't even mention. Forgot Danny Jeez. Shelton, who's like four hundred pounds. <laughs> Lawrence Lawrence Guy, even Malcolm Brown. I mean, this team is real. This team is real deep. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it looks really good right now. And I mean, I did like a little chart uh, that looked at the players that either spent time on the team or. Uh, finished last year on the team and just look at the guys that are replacing them as of now and you have Cassius Marsh being replaced by Derek Rivers uh, Eric Lee being replaced by Keontae Davis James Harrison being replaced by Adrian Claiborne Landon Roberts being replaced by Dante Hightower David Harris being replaced by Jawan Bentley Ricky Jean Francois being replaced by Danny Shelton Alan Branch being replaced by Vincent Valentine and and you can factor in some leaps in year two from Adam Butler like he's looked really great. Um, I'm glad that I looked to be wrong on him. Uh, Dietrich Wise and Marquise Flowers in, is in year two in the system. Uh, it's just it's night and day. I just named like um, what is it, uh, eleven guys almost that are either making a year two jump or we presume they will be, or that are just replacing what were at best mediocre players from last year. It's uh, it's night and day, and that's what, you know, that gets us excited about the defense, even though it's just preseason. Yeah, for sure. The only, the only thing that I'm wondering about is what's going on with Marquise Flowers? Like, I want to get your take on, like, what do you think Marquise Flowers, like, 
it, he's for sure making the team, right? Um, I would say there's like a 75% chance to 85% chance that Marquis Flowers makes a team because he's proven in his role as a, a core special team guy and the guy who can play, you know, a factor on defense to some extent. Uh, at the same time, like, if he did get cut, I don't think you can qualify it as a total shocker because right now they have uh, Brandon King and Nick Grigsby who are pretty much write them down in Sharpie in your rosters as locks. And they're also predominantly special teams linebackers. So while I do expect Flowers to make the team, uh, it's not necessarily 100%, I would say. Um, At the same time, I mean, I think – he hasn't really gotten as many reps on defense um, as we saw him get towards the end of last year. And I really take that as a good sign for the state of the defense overall, because we like Marquise Flowers, but we don't really want to see him play in significant snaps on defense. And I think, you know, his role is pretty much, it's pretty well defined in the defense at this point. He's just a, a dime nickel linebacker who, um, can do some stuff with spying the quarterback, covering some running backs out of the backfield, adding a little more speed to the defense. And it, like in the preseason, I don't know how much you're going to be playing a guy in such a specific sort of niche role because, uh, you know, they're not really game planning at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I would say he's probably safe to make the team, but he's not like 100% luck is – I thought he would be. Uh... Yeah, I like what you just said, the specific role he has, especially if you look at the Bills game from last year. If anyone wants to just look at it, just look, just, yeah, Twitter just rewatch search, that game. Mark, just Marquise Flowered Bills, and it's seriously impressive. Uh, Tyre, Tyrod Taylor is an extremely fast player, and Marquise Flowers was on his ass the whole game. He's running him down on the sidelines. He was mimicking his every move. He was all over him. Uh, that's his role, really. And like you just said, the dime, the dime linebacker who can spy. He's a really good blitzer. So that's a really good player to have in depth. That means you're a good team. I like that. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. If he's not playing much with your ones in preseason, uh, that means your ones are pretty damn good. And even like you said with that Bills game, if you just rewatch that Bills game and you watch the linebacker play – you tell me who's a better football player, Marquise Flowers or Landon Roberts? Yeah, it's like not, seriously, it's it's not it's, it's not close. I get I get the Landon Roberts, uh, you know, Bills' previous infatuation with them, but just because he can, you know, he he's reliable in what he does, and he just does stuff mediocrely, but he does his job. But Marquise Flowers, man, there's just a difference in the athletic caliber of those players. And uh, he should he should take a year two jump in this system. He should. And if not for the experience, he's going to take a year two jump because he loves ketchup on tacos. Uh, That is I have no comment. (laughs) I have absolutely no comment. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about the guy he's playing for which is now Brian Flores, who is our hero. And everyone's a hero on Twitter now because everyone has come from 
hating on us and specifically me for talking shit about Matt Patricia, pencil boy. <laughs> but you just get that picture of Brian Flores staring at Matt Patricia on the sideline. That's, that's the new avenue for this podcast, by the way. That just has to be. Actually, that, 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 that's our brand, man. That's our <laughs> brand. And uh, specifically on that, uh, Ninkovich was on the sideline talking about Patricia versus Flores. And it was, and you hear, heard Lombardi talk about scheme as well as Nink, and they both talked a lot about scheme. And with Flores, Nink talked a whole lot about players and defined roles and just playing. And Lombardi yeah. talked about the blitzing and just having them in their, in their specific roles, like we talked about Marquise Flowers, and letting the players just play. Because we have good players now, and there's really no excuse to have a bad front seven. Absolutely. And like you mentioned Lombardi talking about the team's speed on defense and Ninkovich talking about defined roles. And those things, in my opinion, they kind of go hand in hand, right? Because if you're playing, um, you're running into the flat to cover a running back on one play and you're playing um, like passing downs, defensive tackle on the next and you're setting the edge on the next. It's just like, it's hard to play fast because you're thinking constantly about how your role is changing within the game. And, you know, with Ninkovich, he said Flores has simplified the defense. He's given guys, like you said, defined roles. And when you have, like, one thing you can worry about in one spot pretty consistently from play to play, that just changes the way you play. It simplifies your assignments, and um, it lets you play fast. And that, I think, you couple that with the newfound sort of talent of the players that they just simply didn't have last year. Like friggin' Cassius Marsh and Eric Lee and Trevor Riley were playing significant snaps on the edge at different parts of last season. It was bad um, talent wise, but at the same time, like you add players and you define their roles and you let them play to their strengths. It's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And it's, a breath of fresh air from last year when you had in the biggest regular season game of the season, you had Trey flowers covering Le'Veon Bell in on multiple passing plays, which was just inexcusable. Um, so yeah, definitely just super excited about Flores. And uh, you can tell just from everything you read about him, from the way players talk about him, it, the guys just fucking love him, And that, uh, after with Patricia gone, I think you can kind of see that it might not have been so universal with him. Yeah, another thing I like to point out that I said in the last one is how Patricia, when he first got to New England, Bill yeah. actually started <laughs> sitting in his meetings and his uh, defensive defensive linebackers meetings. I want to say because guys were just walking out and yeah. going to sleep, and they didn't give a they didn't give a shit. Pretty much is what I'm trying right. to say. And they clearly do here. And what I, what I want to also kind of compare to is if you remember when Hightower first took the green dot, I mean, the defensive line was banged up and stuff, but Hightower really struggled in that role. I'm sure it was a lot to handle at the time. But you see the young guys like Bentley and Sam, who Hightower has talked about, how they're picking up the defense really quick. And I think that yeah. means a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, um, it's it's no indictment on Hightower, like I just said, but it's more of a scheme kind of thing because Hightower's brain is obviously flooded with information 
and these new guys are coming into a system where their brain is not flooded with so much information. They can just kind of do their job. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. And it, like it just, everything, it, the, the best defenses are the defenses that can just line up and play. Right. Like we just, we see it year in and year out that the best defenses are the ones that just do what they do. And that, you know, like you watch a, a Falcons game, they don't have Deion Jones lining up on the edge and then lining up at middle linebacker and then lining up to cover a running back out wide. It's just, I, I mean, I don't know. I just, I see the better teams do things that make simple, sense. Th- exactly. Things that make sense. Thank <laughs> you. And for so much of the last two years, really, Dating back, I would say, to the to 2016 and the way the defense just completely underperformed before they had to trade Jamie Collins to kind of make a statement. Uh, you know, you just think back to that, and they had a lot of talent. And the fact that they couldn't get enough out of it is, in my opinion, a major indictment on the coaching staff. And eventually they got it done, but I, I think we would both agree that the the great statistics of the Patriots defense from the past two years were very much uh, sort of smoke and mirrors. And this time it just feels like it could be different. Yeah, for sure. And the thing that you talked about last time was how last year before the Bucks, yeah, before the Bucks game, uh, Lombardi alluded to Bill taking control of the defense because after the Panthers game, after the first couple of weeks, it was just clear that, the, the deep, no one was getting it. Gilmore it was looked drunk. Gilmore looked drunk because he didn't know what was going on. And then in the Bucks game, the defense was extremely simplified. Gilmore checked Evans, and then everyone else played their role, and they played one of their best games of the season. And I know you've talked about how the Houston Texans game a couple of years ago on Thursday night, and how the game plan was extremely simplified, and people were just doing their job lining up on other people and just playing football and it worked out that way, which is really shocking. Like you don't have to, you don't have to be super edgy and rush to and drop tree flowers into the flat. You don't have to drop, you don't have to drop Danny Shelton in the middle of the defense, which I'm sure that might happen once, once this season if Matt Patricia was here. Yeah. Matt Patricia is absolutely going to drop uh, Ashawn Robinson in the, in the coverage on James White in week three and the Lions fans are going to cry. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And, you're, you know, you're right. And it's – the guys play better when you just – you see it almost anecdotally. The guys play better when they can just focus on their singular assignment and do their jobs. And it, it just seems like Flores is that type of guy. And, it, like, I don't think we're, we're – like, we're not making shit up when we talk about this. It's it, – Hightower said it. You know, Hightower said um, – the guys are picking up the defense faster this year. And I think Trey Flowers even alluded to it. But guys that have been here for a little while have said that um, learning is just kind of easier with, with Flores. And that, I mean, good luck to the Detroit Lions, man. Because that, um, that's Patricia. That's their problem now. Yeah, that's, that's their problem now. And <laughs> who knows how many, how many wins he'll cost them, but. For us, um, I think we're absolutely just in a in a much better spot 
coaching wise and in a much better spot player wise. And that might, you know, it, it's not going to make the team like a top five pass rushing team in all likelihood. But like you said on the last one, we, like, last year we were the 32nd ranked pass rush in the NFL in terms of getting to the quarterback, the average time it took. And it, even if we jump to like 18th, middle of the pack type numbers, like that's a, a very meaningful jump and it should, uh, it should definitely, it, like it'll show up on the field, even if we're not one of the best defenses in the NFL in terms of getting to the quarterback. And, um, you know, it, it'll be you, like, you'll, you'll be able to see it. And like in the past few years, we've, we've seen low points per game numbers against us, but that's just more been a function of locking down in the red zone. Like I'm all for, for um, having a great red zone defense, but I'd rather, even if we're giving up a couple more big plays, I'd rather, you know, be a little more aggressive in going after the quarterback than, you know, rushing three all game and just waiting for keeping it in front of us and waiting until the other team has to settle for a field goal on every drive. It's just not fun. And it's very smoke and mirrorsy and it'll eventually get you beat, um, by eight minutes in time of possession in a Super Bowl, and that's why you'll lose. And the best part about this is, is Brian Flores probably won't say a word all year, and he will be yeah. president. He he will be president by of Pat's Twitter by the end of the year. Literally, he could run for president, and I would vote for him tomorrow because he's not going to say a word, and the defense is just going to play well. And Brian Flores for president. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he he might be president of Pat's Twitter by the end of. Friday night <laughs> to be quite <laughs> honest with you it's it's gonna be it's just different um you look at the guy's face and then look at Patricia's face you're a you're, you're an offense and you're studying the Patriots and who, who are you more afraid of I mean seriously well, Flores is an intimidating guy you look at Patricia and my god he could be your your aunt <laughs> did you say your aunt yeah like he could be someone <laughs> baking cookies for you. I mean, Patricia shaves the beard, puts on a hairnet. I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. You just went down a really weird can of worms for me. Now I'm imagining Matt Patricia as my <laughs> It's really weird. Like Matt Patricia sending me a gift card in the mail. Love you, Brayson. <laughs> Matt Patricia. <laughs> Happy birthday. You a, Love you. <laughs> some, some homemade cookies um, for your birthday. Hey, but you know what? The front seven is going to help our secondary, who we're going to talk about, which is really good. And I'd like to talk about our top four corners just at the moment, which if you think about it, we've got Gilmore, you got Rowe, J-Mac, John Jones. And without mentioning the safeties, that's a really good secondary. You have Gilmore, who can match up on anyone. You have Eric Rowe, who can match up on bigger guys. He can play in the slot a little bit. He's really quick. He's really good at the line of scrimmage. Get J Mac, yeah. the crafty veteran who can play outside, but can play on most type of wide receivers. Then you have John Jones, who's just super elite in the slot, with, and he's actually ready. He they, they posted a picture of him today, and John Jones is back to practicing. Yeah, uh, I mean, you you read off those four names, and it's almost like they didn't have to have to take a corner in the second round of the draft. Just crazy, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that. Duke Dawson is going to have an extremely hard time getting on the field this year. Yeah. I mean, I'll put it this way. If Duke Dawson doesn't get on – if Duke Dawson's healthy and he doesn't get on the field this year, uh, that's that's a very good sign about our second-round pick if he, if he's not on the field. Yeah. Seriously, that that's how good – that's how good the top four corners are. And it's like that you, you can't ask for a more complementary skill set and a better group for it's like, you look at the combined salaries of those guys and Rose still on his rookie deal. He was a second round pick. Jones was an undrafted guy. He's on the minimum. McCordy's making 3 million, which is a fucking bargain for a player of his caliber. And Gilmore is the top, top level guy, but that's not an absurd sort of positional expenditure for what you're getting of really, I, I would say, elite corner play. And they can cross match with just about any type of receiver because, like you said, these are guys with very diverse skill sets. And uh, I haven't moved off my position that I had before training camp, which is against teams with bigger uh, – Gilmore and Rowe being one and two, and against teams with bigger slot receivers, Rowe moving inside and J-Mac playing outside, and against teams with the shiftier Nelson Aguilar types, John Jones just playing in the slot. And being able to match up with specific teams like that on a week-to-week basis, it it's great, and it brings back um, some very fun 2014 memories. Uh, 2014. But but also, I'd like to I'd like to say that if uh, John Jones plays in the Super Bowl, the Patriots probably win. Yeah. Yes. Like we've been we've been over this. They they do, <laughs> and really, just if Jones or Butler plays, um, that pushes Jordan Richards and Batamosi off the field, and that's it. There you go. But 2018. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> All right, so uh, kind of a sadder thing is our boy Isaiah Wynn tearing his Achilles. Uh, we were praying for the high ankle sprain, as many as many people speculated, other than pro football doc who's like Nostradamus and completely predicted from the from the jump, which is actually actually insane. But uh, I know a lot of the mainstream media like to talk about Wynn's wins injury and how it severely affects this year's team, which it doesn't because behind him, yet, not even behind him, in front of him, you have Cannon and Waddle because Wynn was the was playing backup right tackle at best. And you have so you have Waddle and Cannon. Cannon's health kind of iffy, but Waddle is not much less of a player than Marcus Cannon, in all honesty. So they're pretty yeah. set. They're pretty set at right tackle. They have a lot of depth there. So I'm not too worried about that. It just really sucks because I thought at some point, Isaiah Wynn could take the reins of the right tackle role and really sucks for his development as a player because he's a large guy. Like who knows if he's going to be, he's going to be able to start training uh, and practicing football next year, but sad stuff, but uh, the team will be, the team will be all right. Yeah, it sucks. And uh, like you, like you said, it, how much does it affect the 2018 team? Probably not much. Wynn was, I would guess, going to be their fourth tackle and probably their top interior offensive line backup. So 
you lose a very important layer of depth and that's never good. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like a devastating type injury for the team. It's, it's something they can move on from. And he, I mean, you, you give the coward rant. Like, I know it's been on your mind all day, but Colin Coward is, um, he's running his mouth. You're bad, Colin. All right, let's just, let's just replay what Colin Coward said today. He said that he doesn't know about the Patriots' offensive line. It's the worst offensive line he's ever seen from the Patriots. And also, he's, oh never, seen, he's never seen an offensive rebuild from the Patriots like this. Which, and I'd just like to point out that the Patriots are actually returning four starters. I, I don't know if Colin <laughs> And their top two backups from last year. They're oh returning. They're, they're returning like literally. They're almost their top seven linemen, and also Trent Brown could probably be an upgrade from Nate Solder. And at worst, he's going to be just as good. So, yeah, yeah. They, the Patriots returned their entire starting offense. I mean, their entire offensive line from Rebuild. last season. They they returned the entire offensive line from last season, save. For Nate Solder, who they replaced with, as you said, a player who's probably going to be around as good, and Cam Fleming. And did they adequately replace Cam Fleming? I don't know. We'll see. Is that going to cost them uh, Super Bowl 53? No. The problems run deeper than that if they do, right? It's just ridiculous. And that that encapsulates mainstream media and um, a their just overall level of in many cases. And I mean, some people are good, like Jeff Schwartz. uh, He's, he's national media and he's good. Like he got it. His recap on the offensive line situation, he gets it, but you see most of these guys on ESPN on FS1 that aren't team specific. And it, it's just rough because coward God bless him. He has no idea what he's talking about when he talks about um, most football teams. It's it's sad. It really is. And my God, man, a, a total offensive line rebuild. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. And he he doesn't remember a more a more um, drastic offensive line rebuild. How about he throws it back to the 2015 season when the Patriots lost. They're three starting interior offensive line from a Super Bowl champion team and replace them with Josh Klein, rookie undrafted free agent David Andrews, and Trey, Trey Jackson and Shaq Mason, both as rookies as well. And they rotated them for an entire 16-game season. Like, are you kidding me, Colin? Seriously? That's that. This is the most rebuilt offensive line ever. That returns um, four of their five starters and their top two backups from last year. Come on. Well, the first thing of note is that Colin has stage two dementia. <laughs> <laughs> that's, number, that's number one. The sad part is like I, I'm only halfway kidding because he actually used to be really good, and I. Uh, I I think the I think I, he has money, not dementia. He's yeah, he's a in loss LA. of hunger. He's in LA, big money. He's he's not watching the games. Nick Wright is around for God's sake. He's rubbing off on everyone. <laughs> but yeah, 
the line is good. There's no need to worry. And it actually, now that we're talking about it, it seems like the Patriots are kind of sneaking up on teams because I don't know if you saw this, but Ron Clark said this was the year for the Patriots to lose the AFC East. And I just want to know. I saw that. To who? To who? Yeah, that's that's my question. Like, but the AFC East is going to start two rookies and Ryan Tannehill and Tom Brady. Tough choice. Really tough. Tough stuff. It's, yeah. Well, I mean, the the Patriots are in rebuild mode, and they hate their coach. Their offensive line sucks. Their wide receiver sucks. And they've got their tight end. Their tight end wants a new contract. Uh, the quarterback hates the head coach. There's tension all over the building. They forced the, the tension is insane. It's just, you know, Tom Curran's on vacation this week. And Tom Curran, um, at, I have a, a lot of respect for him because he's he's been very good uh, for most of his career. But towards the end of last year and throughout the offseason, his columns were an absolute shit show. He talked about football, I think, like four times in those columns. It was all what's going on behind the scenes. Is Tom Brady retiring? Even though we all know he's not retiring, he hasn't told me personally specifically, so I'm not sure. Like, And now he's on vacation. I think it might have been because he spent all of May and all of June writing apocalyptic think pieces on the Patriots, and uh, now he he has to take a break. Right when the season's about to start, and when right when the team's about to play their most important preseason game, so uh, shout out to Tom Curran, and I love Quick Slants, and I love Tom Curran, but goddamn, it's been hard this off season, man. Yeah, here comes a part where we have to have to do football analysis. See you later. I'm <laughs> gonna <laughs> chalk that up to you guys. But there's tension at NBC Sports Boston, man. That's why Giardi left. It's it's all in the tension. <laughs> All right, man. Speaking of the sucky uh, wide receiver room, which it's actually not sucky. That's that's just sarcasm. So they've got. Have you seen Riley McCarron yet? Have you seen him? Um, I think I saw him walking down the street today. He's just just a guy, just <laughs> any other guy. Well, they've got Hogan, Dorsett, uh, Kenny Britt. Patterson. Um, we've heard that Kenny Britt is back, and like you've alluded to, like Jordan Matthews was cut, injured, cut. Kenny Britt was kept on the roster. I know he said he talked about being behind, but I think, I think we both think the team has pretty high hopes for Kenny Britt, and that makes us happy. But I don't think we should worry too much about the wide receiver room because you got White, White, Burkett, Hollister, Gronk. I mean. Dwayne Allen, Hill. I guess. Yeah, Hill, Edelman, Michelle, maybe. Nah, Eric, De- <laughs> Eric Decker sucks. But but the thing I'm excited for is Patterson to take handoffs like Aaron Hernandez. I just want to see this. Yeah, he he will at some point. They're they're gonna break out the. Actually, I don't know why they would break out um, zero one personnel with four receivers and Gronk. Like, they have James White, and they have Burkhead, and just use Patterson in a gadgety sort of way and let him, let him prosper in some two-receiver sets with very basic play-action passes and very basic return, like, I'm sorry, reverse plays and misdirection plays where you can get it to him. 
just let him do that type of stuff because um, as we've alluded to on Twitter and on this podcast, Patterson's not the smartest guy, uh, not exactly the uh, – how are we nice about this, Bryson? Can you help me Let's out here? Say, okay. Um, it was put to me this way, and this is a really good way of uh, thinking about it. The only thing separating Cordero Patterson from the Hall of Fame is rare stupidity. <laughs> and, and guys, it's not even a joke because you saw it in the preseason. Like, oh you yeah, get, you get the ball in his hands, and he's just like, "Is this the best player we've ever ever seen in our life?" That's what you think whenever Cordero. Seriously, Patterson. yes. But anything else, like you might Brady, I think Brady might have to quietly whisper that he has a deep in route. <laughs> <laughs> never give him an option route just don't don't try it don't try <laughs> do it not, do not fill his head with those questions Patterson, Patterson there are guys like Cooks that their skill set just limits them to running five routes and Patterson his skill set he could theoretically run every route but his brain limits him to just about two per game and and I just want everyone to know, like, we're not just saying this. Like, North Turner wanted to open up the whole entire playbook to Cordero Patterson. It just didn't happen because he just didn't grasp it. This is a problem before the draft. Lombardi has alluded to this. Like, he just can't this do is it. Known. I don't know, I don't know what is, it is. Yeah, the, 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 yeah, like you said, we're, we're not trying to bag on the guy, even though we've been bagging on him for, like, three minutes. This has been a known issue for him. He can't pick up offenses. It's That's the reason he's not in Minnesota. That's the reason he's not like what Percy Harvin was supposed to be because he has all the talent in the world to be exactly that and probably even better because he is also a physical specimen, man. And um, they were comparing him to Randy Moss with the way he runs. And Randy, there's – there's never been a player in the NFL like Randy, but Patterson does have like this rare gait where it doesn't look like he's trying to run fast and he then just runs past everyone. And th- he's just a rare, rare talent, but for some reason it, it can't come together. And that reason has consistently been his brain. So what do we expect from Patterson? He'll be active on every game day. He'll return kicks. He'll play, what, 10, 15 snaps a game. He'll get five touches. Uh, he'll probably make one or two wow plays every game. And that'll be just about it. And he'll be some type of depth receiver. He's a really good blocker. But I don't how much will he factor in as an actual traditional wide receiver. I would venture to guess probably not that much. And it, it's fine because they traded for him to be the premier special teams non-kicker um, player in the NFL, which I think he will be, and to be a gadget option on offense, which I think he will be. And that's just fine. But don't expect him to suddenly be a superstar as a receiver because if it hasn't happened yet, it's not going to happen now. No. And if Kenny Britt is anything that we expect him to be, this is going to be an extremely good wide receiver group. Another thing that we just kind of glossed over is that Eric Decker severely sucks. And that's yeah. not, that's number two. 
That's number one. I mean, number two is that uh, there's this guy who really likes Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and thinks Tom Brady's a goat out there. He's a free agent. I don't know if you guys know him. He likes to throw up the X. His name's Des Bryant. I know a lot of Patriots fans uh, kind of think that Phil Dorsett is better than Des Bryant, <laughs> along with Eric Decker and Riley McCarron and Braxton Berrios. You'd rather hold on to those guys. Okay, that's fine. But uh, Des Bryant's better than those guys. Like, if you if you want to, like, argue Hogan, argue Hogan, like, okay, I mean, I guess. Argue it. I, Whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's just one guy, though. And yeah. uh, De- just I would just encourage everyone, instead of just saying Des sucks because it's cool on Twitter, just, like, look – just, like, watch him from last year. Like, watch him from the year before. He's not he's not as bad as everyone thinks he is. And he, he's huge. He caught 69 balls. Sure, he had a couple of drops. But you have to take into consideration that, number one, Dak isn't as good as everyone thinks he is. And, number two, he catches a lot of contested balls. Number three, number three, by the way, sorry to interrupt. He was the number one option in that offense. He was the guy drawing the opponent's top corner week in and week out. He caught 69 balls. He was dealing with nagging injuries, and he was dealing with having to carry Dak Prescott, who is, like you said, not as good as everyone thinks he is. And just uh, the guy, like he can, he can, he can fucking play. He caught 69 balls. So did Gronk last year. You know. That's, yeah, he's there. A, you go. <laughs> he's a he's a physical specimen. He he likes blocking. Actually, I mean, he's right now he's an underdog. I mean. Put him on the Patriots. If it's not too – I mean, I'm not saying sign him two years, $15 million, that, that would be stupid. But if, if the price is right, let's just do it. This one-year deal, prove it deal. We've got the money. Send Wayne Allen to somewhere else. God knows, to the sun. I don't care. Beam him somewhere. <laughs> to the sun, preferably. But let's, t- let's take on Des and let's do it because I think he would thrive in this system. There's just no way he wouldn't. You'd have Tom Brady. It, yeah. And – Man, like you said, he caught 69 fucking passes last year, and he's a free agent. All this stuff, Lombardi's, you know, he tells us Des can't separate. And, you know, he played with the least creative offense with um, the NFC's. Well, I guess Alex Smith's in the NFC now. But, the, you know, Alex Smith's um, clone. And he he's a player. Des is... That is a fucking gamer, and people will forget, but you remember the NFC Divisional game where Rodgers had the pass to Jared Cook, and he Rodgers just uh, took over that game. Dez was, along with Zeke, carrying Dallas in that game. That was not very long ago. Dez is still good. Just throw him in the Brandon LaFell spot and see, what's gonna, see what happens. Because Dez, he can still play, and... In New England, he would be, in crunch time situations, the fourth or fifth option. And good luck defending that with your number two and three corner week in and week out. Yeah, just imagine Brandon LaFell, and now imagine it's Des Bryant. Can we just <laughs> do that? Brandon, Brandon LaFell for Des Bryant. Like, let's just, just think about that for a sec. Is that so bad, guys? No, it's not so bad. Please, yeah, come and, on. And, by the way, speaking of Brandon LaFell, he's still a free agent. And if Des Bryant's not happening, like I would take Brandon LaFell back because he's he's done stuff in big games. Yeah, I like Brandon LaFell as well. I'd take Brandon LaFell because Eric Decker 
I'm just going to double down on Eric Decker really fucking sucks bad. And I just, and so many people thought Eric Decker would just come in here and just light it up because he's some white dude that played for Peyton Manning a couple of years, which he was good back then, but not anymore. The guy, he can't separate and he still doesn't have hands. So if you're complaining about Des doesn't have hands or can't separate, well, Eric Decker can do neither and he's on the team. Eric Decker is like what Pats fans think Des is. Yeah, yeah, he's exactly, he's literally exactly that. And Dez is what, and Dez is probably what Pats fans think Phil Dorsett's going to be. Yeah, I just as, I as in like a very very good player. Yeah, like I don't skill set wise. I I don't get it. Also, yeah. uh, real quick, I just want to say that our boy James White looked really good in the preseason game and. The dude has improved running. He's he's actually a really good runner now, especially if you just point to last season, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl game where he had that touchdown run, which is phenomenal. And now yeah. he's bre- actually he's actually breaking tackles. He's one of the best receivers on the team. I mean, he he might legitimately get eight passes, eight catches a game, and ten carries, maybe more. The the first month of the season is going to be the James White show. All right. There, there was an article on Pat's pulpit where they talked to someone from football outsiders and um, God bless the guy. He number one, and this was the most blasphemous thing I've read in the year 2018. He said that Eric Decker might uh, be a reasonable approximation of Danny Amendola for the first month of the season. So from that point I was out the, <laughs> Seriously, like that, he said that. Huh. He really said that. It's not a joke. Oof, oof. This is rough. It's rough. Oof. And, um, God damn it, I forgot what I was going to say. But it, he said essentially that it would be the Chris, Chris Hogan and Gronk show uh, for the first month of the season. And I would have to disagree. I think it's going to be the James White, Rex Burkhead show. And I, you know, these guys, like, the Pats are still going to want to get it out of Tom's hands quick. Uh, and the, they they did that last year without Edelman and sort of saving Amendola by using the running backs a lot in the passing game. And that's what they're going to continue to do. And that means a lot of James White. That means a lot of Rex Burkhead. Jeremy Hill's shown he can do it uh, a little bit. And Jeremy Hill's going to make the team. And, Yeah. Just expect a heavy dose of James White for the first month of the season. I actually had a friend text me today because uh, he knows I'm a Patriots fan, obviously, and asked me if he should keep James White in his keeper league. And I was like, um, yeah. Yes. It's a PPR league. Yes. He will literally yes. probably have 20 points a game. Yeah, Not he's going to be – he's going to be in an RB one for the first month of the season. I think there's, there's no, he, we, we see the phrase get thrown out a lot. Like perfect Patriot. James White's a perfect Patriot. Yeah. James White is definitely a perfect Patriot. Another thing that we're going to talk about is uh, next, next week's game. Is it, is it Friday? Is it Thursday? Friday? It is Friday. 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 Which is kind of shitty, but. So yeah. I think we're going to expect Brady to play probably another half again. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, I think Brady Lombardi alluded to him playing a little bit into the third quarter for this game. So um, I look forward to seeing the Patriots make a resounding statement with a, a dominant win, a tour de force over the Carolina Panthers in week three of the preseason, as Doug Gottlieb said, to show the NFL who's boss. <laughs> like they did in week two. Like they did, Brady. like they did in Philly, when Brady played more than he's ever played in the preseason to teach the Eagles a lesson about beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl. He really showed them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that Brandon Graham, man. <laughs> he Ooh. knows now. He, he now he knows. He, he thought he was good when he was a Super Bowl champ getting the, the strip sack to win the game. But now, now that he's lost the preseason game, you've won, but at what cost? He won the battle, but he, he lost the war. Oh, my God. <laughs> FS1, <gasps> FS1 guy strikes again. <sighs> Ah, my God. <laughs> and the the thing I want to look for for this game is, uh, again, Bentley's consistency. Uh, I'm going to watch – I'm going to watch the young rushers again, obviously. Pretty much the same thing from last game. I'm going to watch a whole lot of J-Mac if he plays. Just see, seeing who plays uh, on the defensive line and the corners. Because right now, like we talked about, the – the four corners are solidified, but the other spots are kind of open because as we saw, all saw in the preseason uh, week two game, Crossan was uh, not ready to say the least. Like he looks like a good football player, but uh, yeah, that guy was not ready. <laughs> so I don't know if we'll get a heavy dose of JC Jackson or what, but we need a corner to step up our fifth corner. Yeah. Uh, so maybe there's like one more spot that's open. And I have noticed a very troubling trend with some 53-man roster projections. What's this? His name is Cyrus Jones. Oh, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we, we talked about this last time. And I, I, there, was, there was a sort of a hype train last week before this game. Cyrus <laughs> Jones is off to the side, returning punts by himself. Cyrus Jones has been taking snaps with the first team. Yeah, I don't care because Cyrus Jones sucks, and he sucks. So I don't care. Don't lead this hype train, Patriots media. It's not happening to me. I'm not falling for this. You can send him where we sent Dwayne Allen. The same place. Yep. Yes. It, it'd be a little different if Cyrus Jones was, like, a relatively cool guy. But I don't know if you remember him last year on social media. He was absolutely – like, after he muffed all those punts, like, he was absolutely just a head case. He was going after fans and crybaby boohooing on Instagram and his Snapchat, just like black pictures with caption and like trying to roast us. Like it's not our, it's not really our fault. You sucked. It's just the insecurity. It really reminded me of Kevin Durant. Also, he was the he was the best corner in the league. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. Um, yeah, but get seriously, Cyrus Jones, I mean, if he makes this team with as as much as we hyped up Ryan Lewis and J.C. Jackson, as good as like they've looked apparently in practice, if Cyrus Jones makes this team, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I, I really don't because he has 
Bryson, he's a scrub. It's true. Just plain and simple, he's a scrub. I've only, I, I can't confirm Period. more than one source, but I can confirm that he sucks. Yes, he's he is a scrub, and I will be looking forward to watching him not make the fifty-three man roster and getting away from my team. Uh, Goodbye. Um, what I'll be looking for with the corners is Jason McCourty. Because Jason McCourty looked really good last week. He had that one – he allowed that one touchdown, but he played 30 snaps, and he allowed that one catch. And that's what you want. And uh, the quarterbacks, Foles and Sudfeld, they barely looked his way. That is what you want out of your uh, – out of a guy who's probably going to play rotationally in the defense and – it's just a good sign for J-Mac in terms of him making the team that no outside corner has distinguished himself to the point where you can make a case they deserve a spot over J-Mac on the team. Just no way. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a good thing. I like that. But I, I just want to clean something up and we'll just do a, like a minute on this. But I don't know if you saw this, but our punt protector was uh, – Lined up and he was uh, lined up oh and single God. high, and he actually made a play. He made a play. Oh. He made a play. <sighs> he did this. I mean, Darius Geis might have put him in the blender, and he was might have been he might have been falling <laughs> over everywhere in the first week of the preseason and in the Super Bowl and every other game he's ever played in his entire career. But he he made a play along the way. Oh my God! Yeah, he. When I saw him as the single high safety, I I wanted to run on the field. I was I was watching the game on Reddit on my computer, and I wanted to run on the field and just tackle Bill <laughs> and, and just punch him in the face. Like, what no. the fuck are you doing? What no. the fuck are you doing? Why is this man on the field as the single high? In, I don't care if it's the preseason. I don't care if it's a practice. I don't care if it's a walkthrough. I, 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 I don't care if it's the chalkboard. No, no. 37, no, no. no. Not the single high, not the strong safety. Like Jordan Richards in less than one year. Edge in a season opener to playing the single high in preseason. need to know about this man's career. Along with three pictures from the Super Bowl in which one, he is flailing trying to tackle Corey Clement with Corey Clement a yard behind him. Two, him trying to cover Zach Ertz and him <laughs> running the wrong way as Zach Ertz comes out of his break. And three, a wheel route being wafted over his head where Corey Clement is seven yards behind Jordan Richards waiting for the ball to drop into his hands and Jordan Richards is running straight towards the sidelines. That is all you need to know about this man's NFL career. Oh, and his tackle attempt in um, in the first week of the preseason against the Redskins, where he tries to tackle a human being, and uh, it that's it's just it didn't go well. Uh, he flailed wildly and uh, missed and wound up on the ground, and the guy gained like five extra yeah. yards because Jordan Potter. Richards is not an he NFL player. Potter, he is not. He can, he can protect the punter, and because Nate Ebner uh, hasn't played in a game yet, that might 
make him a safe bet to make the team. But Jordan Richards is up notwithstanding. Yeah, I I think the words you were looking for when you were talking is Malcolm Go. Oh my god. <laughs> All right, so, 2018. Uh, there's one guy, wide receiver on the bubble that I want to talk about and he's from my state, Ryan Switzer, who's on the Raiders right now on the bubble. Uh I think I don't think it would cost much to trade for him right now. He might even get cut, I which I would doubt, but uh this I, I don't care what the cut. Raiders and what the Cowboys did. Like, Ryan Switzer would be very good in the slot. And also, he can fill a punt returner void, void that we kind of really don't have at the moment. I mean, Braxton Berrios and Riley McCarron were shaping up to take that role, and they both kind of haven't. So, he would fill this void. He's better than both of those guys. And I think he would really succeed. Like, I think he would be a, a good player. Yeah. Um, look, for – for Switzer, it's I think it's just been unfortunate circumstances with him that haven't allowed him to really break through. Like seriously, you look at with the Cowboys last year, Cole Beasley, I think is one of them he wasn't all that good last year, but they weren't gonna bench him because I think he is one of the most underrated and underappreciated players in the NFL. He's great, great in the slot. Uh and he was the, that's why the pick didn't really make much sense when it happened because uh, Cole Beasley's very good and Switzer couldn't uh, couldn't crack the depth chart there. That's fine. They traded him to the Raiders for Jihad Ward and the Raiders just so happened to have like 17,000 receivers in training camp who are probably um, NFL players and you look at their team right now and Crabtree, I mean, sorry, not Crabtree, um, Cooper, Nelson, and uh, Martavis Bryant are going to make the team. Dwayne Harris is probably going to make the team because of special teams. Seth Roberts has been very good for him in the past. Griff Whalen is playing ahead of, <laughs> former Patriots legend Griff Whalen, by the way, is playing ahead of Switzer in the slot. And um, they have Johnny Holton there, who's also a, a factor on special teams. They have a glut of receivers and with the Patriots need, like if Seth Roberts becomes available, they should definitely take a look at him. He's has he's similar to Will Ty in the sense that he has proven production at the NFL level. Uh, but like you said, with Switzer, that's the ideal scenario. He, he's just a much higher pedigree player and, than Riley McCarron and Barrios are. He just he just is, and he just came out of the draft like last year. I think he was an asset that went completely overlooked in the league, uh, and he's a player that really should be on the team's radar. And we're not saying it just because he's white and he plays in the slot, even though that helps him. <laughs> he He's a legit player, and he was a legit consensus top like 150 prospect coming out in the draft when he did. And it's just, just, it makes sense to get your hands on a guy like that because I just think he's been in bad situations for his development. And 
in New England, like there's there's a need and there's an opportunity. And and it also makes it sense makes because sense. the last time a wide receiver from West Virginia uh, played for the Patriots, they went to the Super Bowl and he had like 20-some touchdowns. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You cut yeah, out a little I'm, I'm bit. I'm just saying. The last time a, a, a wide receiver from West Virginia uh, came – Came from West Virginia and played for the Patriots. Uh, we went to the Super Bowl, and he had twenty some touchdowns. And I don't see any other path for Ron Switzer other than that: twenty some touchdowns, Super Bowl, catching the go-ahead touchdown. The and except the no helmet catch, um, no Brandon Merriweather drop, and that that drive is it's hell to watch that over because they, they had like four interceptions just dropped and then the helmet catch and it, what a, what a hell just what, what a shit show. God damn it. Um, yeah. Uh, and also via the Raiders, Randy Moss, by the For way. Sure. Now, do you have a, I know you got trade targets everywhere. I can hear you rustling your papers around a list, all 500 trade targets you've been looking at within the past week. So give me a couple of them. Okay, so we we have tweeted at length about Golden Tate. This is like the Lions are not going to trade Golden Tate because they think they're going to be competitive this year. And uh, if they traded Golden Tate, they'd be stuck playing TJ Jones in the slot. And uh, if the Patriots were playing TJ Jones in the slot, like that would mean that uh, Phil Dorsett went down, Kenny Britt went down, and maybe even Cordero Patterson went down. E.J. Jones is a very, very, very marginal NFL player. So the Lions are not going to trade Golden Tate right now. But just hear us out on this scenario. The last year of his second contract, Bob and they layering me to defensive tackle where they're going to start Ricky Jean-Francois, who the Patriots went out of their way to not bring back after the Super Bowl. And the Patriots have an expiring contract at defensive tackle in Malcolm Brown, a player Matt Patricia is intimately familiar with. The Patriots could maybe put together an offer with Malcolm Brown and a draft pick for Golden Tate. Uh, who knows? We're just making we're making fake trades up and that's that's a fun one, and it's one that's been on my radar ever since I looked at the Lions depth chart, and I did see um, RJF starting for him, and that they they really don't want that. Uh, a more realistic trade target on Detroit would be Miles Killebrew. He was a factor as a safety for them last year, and this year Patricia is trying to make him his new Jordan Richards. He's been playing him at linebacker a little bit in practice. Uh, Killebrew's Let's put it this way: He is a significant upgrade on Jordan Richards as the as the fourth safety, and that might not be saying much because you might be a more a very significant upgrade on Richards. But Killebrew, the old coaching staff in Detroit loved him, and he he could play a role for this team on. So Killebrew's yeah. another guy, and John Simon from Indianapolis. Uh played deep into the fourth quarter last night. 
Yeah, for sure. And also, uh, just real quick, I, I would just like to also point out that the Bengals might be like one in five at the deadline, and AJ Green could maybe somehow get plucked off because his his deal expires next year. Yeah, um, AJ Green on the Patriots, like it won't get an argument for me, man. <laughs> I love, I'd love that. That's um, that's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's not quite West Virginia, Ryan Switzer, but it's also pretty good. It's it's decent, I would say. It's I mean, decent. Did you see? I mean, he. I'm sorry. He can't did pump you, protect. Yeah. He can't pump protect. Let's. I mean, let's let's make that clear. He can't pump protect. So, like, who knows if he would have a role on this team because he can't pump protect. But you know. Yeah, and and Phil Phil Dorsett's locking down the X receiver spot. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> AJ Green, I don't, I don't know if he'd make the team. It's, it's, it's tough to say. Did you see the rumor of um, that the Jets called about Dante Fowler? I did see this. I saw this. He had nine sacks last year, I think, or something like that. Yeah, Dante Fowler, good player. Uh, doubt the the Jags would trade him to a team that they lost to in the AFC Championship game, but good player might be on the block. Uh, I just really hope the Jets don't make the obvious Bridgewater for Fowler in a pick swap that uh, that I suggested they make in June because uh, I don't want to see Ooh. Teddy Bridgewater on the Jaguars. No, that, that would scare me. Yeah, like yeah. They, they would really yeah. have my attention no, at thanks. that point. I'm good. Yeah. And just I wanted to ask you, like we we talked about the receivers really quick, but Mike Lombardi mentioned Britt um, being on the roster bubble potentially because of how much time he missed. And Britt even alluded to him being behind. What a damn hamstring pull that keeps you out of practice for two and a half months. Like skeptical it's injury, but I I think it might have been worse than what was reported, and I think it probably was. But did, like, what do you think about that? Because I know we love Kenny Britt, make an impact. Um, really, what matters is the first four games without Edelman, because after that, like, if they get, you know, if they're healthy, and hopefully they are, um, if they get Edelman back, you have. Edelman, Hogan, Gronk, and White, and you can just kind of cycle through who the fifth guy in the skill position group. I think Britt could really make an impact in a game that's going to be played in. Yeah, I mean, what's a hamstring injury that lasts that long is probably uh, pretty serious. I know usually when people talk about hamstrings, it's they don't think it's too serious, but. I'm going to guess it was pretty serious, and it's good that he's starting back up again. But, man, those, ham- those hamstrings tend to nag. It's really worrisome, but luckily there's there's a white boy wonder in Oakland who's just waiting. He just, he's just waiting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. It's It's not great that – 
that they might be looking at that. So I just that I, I don't know. I don't love it. I love the idea of oh, Switzer, like, but I don't love the I'm idea that like they're it. looking at Switzer. Yeah, I know you do. You know, I'd be all over it. Yeah, you would. You would be all over that Mexican receiver. But is there anything else that uh, we missed here that we didn't clean up? Um. No, I think. pretty much hit everything um more trade targets like Deshaun and Adam Humphreys in Tampa Bay uh, Chris Godwin's their new number two there they use a lot of 12 personnel um Humphreys and Jackson both have experience returning punts Jackson's salary would be a hurdle to a deal along with his gang affiliations and um so Humphreys might be more realistic there but other than that, I mean, there's always there's more guys on the block, and they'll probably wind up trading for a special teamer, who no none of us have considered. But uh, no, nah, the defense looks good. The offense, Cordero Patterson's um, mentally challenged, but very talented. Ooh. And yeah, we're gonna ready show for week the three. Panthers who ready the for no injuries. We're gonna make a statement on live television. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's going to get ugly. But yeah, I would if you have children just avert their eyes. Yeah. Because it might get yeah, It's going to get really bad. Get you know really why? Bad. Because Tom Brady wants to show the world. He wants to show the world that he is better than Bill Belichick. And he will and he's going to stay in the preseason game for as long as he can because F you Bill Belichick. No, 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 no. Actually, you know what? I have the yeah. other take. Why is Belichick playing Brady? Why? I don't, you know, Brady forced him to trade he's Jimmy to, and Belichick wanted Belichick Jimmy. Is and, to, um, why is Belichick playing him, man? That's my he's question. Really trying to do. Is he sabotaging him? He's going he's gonna to roll with Edelman. Is he he's going with Danny Etling for the future? Or Patterson can maybe play a little long cat. Yep, I, I love you. Sent me a DM, and I have to shout at it out here on the point, podcast. You know Edelman is cooking. throwing a touchdown He's to Patterson at some point this year. <laughs> it's it's gonna happen. Like it just it's it's gonna. It will be happen. an AFC championship so just game. Just prepare yourselves for that one. one. Yes, yes. They'll be they'll be down four points. Nah, they'll be down eleven points in the AFC Championship game. It'll be like halfway through the third quarter. Edelman's taking a reverse, and then Patterson leaks out, runs a little corner out to the end zone, and come back for that. Well, thanks for coming on, buddy. Starts good talking ball. Hope everyone else appreciates it. I appreciate you. So, see you next game and. I know we'll be roasting that for sure some more in the DMs later. All right. See you later, buddy. Oh, we will.